It was a privilege to interview Mick O'Brien on the CEO special series that we're doing on the podcast. In this episode, Mick talks about his journey, his commitment to the industry, and his passion for philanthropy. Did you know he also was a basketball coach in his past life? I hope you enjoyed this episode because it was a lot of fun. Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Melbourne podcast. I'm your host, Vikas Raheja. The Let's Talk Melbourne podcast is brought to you from the city of Melbourne, where we talk to business leaders, opinion makers, influencers, and change agents. This is a space for critical thinking, open discussions, and the big picture. This podcast is sponsored by Construct Mart and Floors Trading and Clearance Center, your one-stop shop for all the floorings and renovations. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Let's Talk Melbourne podcast. We are doing a CEO series, and today I've got a sort of a CEO celebrity in my studio today. So I'm really, really happy that he agreed to do this, and I'm excited that he's doing this as well. Now, can I please request my guest to introduce himself, if that's okay? Sure, uh, Vikas. I'm Mick O'Brien. I'm the Managing Director of EQT Holdings, and delighted to be with you this morning. Thank you so much. Now, one of the things when I was um, trying to do some research on you and I asked everybody at EQT, they all said one thing that Mick is very passionate. The word passionate came up often. What is your association with that word and, and how do you respond to when people say that you're one of the most passionate leaders that they know? That's interesting. Um, I don't know whether I would have come up with that descriptor, but I guess uh, I'm passionate about quite a lot of things. My uh, pursuits in life, my family, uh, my football team, yes. uh, the city. Uh, but when it, I guess, comes to the business and the company, I'm really passionate about uh, looking after the clients, particularly the vulnerable clients that we have, yep. um, and uh, you know, being regarded as you know a, a leading uh, a leading company in this space. So absolutely. Yeah. What is your sort of take on where the industry is at the moment? Like any readings or in mm. terms of uh, the challenges you think as an industry we face? Mm. Well, there is massive challenges. I mean, if you think about it, it's gone through a massive consolidation over the last sort of two to three decades with the banks buying up a lot of wealth businesses. And now in the last three to four years, all exiting those businesses. Yep. And then this mega growth of the superannuation funds, particularly the industry funds. And the distinct lack of advice and strategies for people to, you know, uh, undertake their retirement strategies. So I think there's going to be massive change going in the future. Uh, we don't have all the solutions in place. Um, the good thing is there's a lot of funding in the financial services, which yeah. is great, uh, but it needs to be utilised in the right way. So um, you know, I think trust has probably never been more important. Yeah. You know, we saw that through the Royal Commission. So, you know, the position of trustees in the industry, I think, has now become recognised as probably one of the most important parts of, uh, you know, the value sure. chain. And uh, so, you know, I'm happy that we're in that space uh, with that much focus on us. Um, you know, I think that's a good position to be. That's brilliant. Now, you know, a lot of my friends ask me why independent trusteeship, and we—that's what we mm. do. We, you know, yeah. if for any super funds who want to outsource their trusteeship, we, we provide the services at EQT. What is your uh, take on why on the AA the relevance of independent trusteeship in the market, mm. and what scale or efficiencies uh, independent trusteeship can provide to super funds? Any sure. thoughts on that? Yeah, well, look, I think uh, there's a couple of aspects to that. Independence is one, right? Yep. So that that means basically there's 
no conflicts or the conflicts are very limited. And yep. that's pretty important because in many cases in superannuation, there are a lot of conflicts through the value chain. All right? um, I guess the second thing is that, uh, you know, being a, a, a specialist trustee, being that's all that we do, we're able to attract the right talent. So yes. uh, trusteeship is about judgment. I know the government is trying to regulate and control and put standards and legislation in place so judgment is reduced, yes. right? Yep. But the reality is judgment will always be very important. And so for trust, you know, and a trustee is ultimately making these judgments. And I think you need, uh, you need a lot of people with the right expertise uh, to be doing that. And, um, you know, having a model that looks after multiple funds allows us to have the scale and have specialists in every area. And yep. I'd back the judgment of our people, the expertise, uh, and the fact they're unconflicted in making their decisions in the interests of members. Absolutely. And do you think the, uh, regulator is helping uh, trustees and super funds to realize retirement needs in a more easy way or is it becoming more and more challenging as we progress along yeah look it's that's a good question uh, Vikas. uh i think the regulator you know has the right objectives in mind they realize that you know the system's been built in an accumulation mode yep. not a retirement, retirement down mode yeah um, but I don't think they really realise what's needed uh, for members in that retirement mode. So obviously we need some innovation in product and we need some innovation in advice and service. Yeah. At the moment, the drive to reduce fees, right, that's been going on for some time with the performance tests, right, means that funds are not in a position to provide service or yep. advice, full stop. So, yep. you know, you've got competing trends there. Yeah. The second thing is uh, on product design, well, I guess there's two issues there. One, no one's really willing to put forward much capital to guarantee type income benefits. So there's not much innovation in that space in Australia. And uh, I guess the, uh, you know, the second thing about retirement income design is there, the system has been like a fully allocated system. Yes. Right? Okay. Yep. Without people sharing experience, right? So yep. when you go into ensuring longevity, you're about sharing, right? Yes. Mortality experience. Yeah. And so far, they haven't addressed the issue whether they think that's a good idea or a bad, bad idea. idea. Yep. Yeah. Basically. And uh, if you don't solve those issues, you won't solve the retirement uh, conundrum. Interesting yeah. you mentioned advice, and I was wanting to get your take on this. With mm. a lot of financial advisors now exiting the industry, mm. but the need for advice is more important now than ever. Yeah. What's your analysis or thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, well, we've overcomplicated advice, yes. right? And yep. I guess we've seen advice, you know, dragged through the Royal Commission, right? Um, now, in many cases, the advice provision by those providers, you know, was somewhat conflicted, right? That's what caused some of these issues. I think it can be a lot simpler than what it's been, right? Um, and uh, and it needs to be to get yes. sort of more scalable solutions into the retirement markets. I, you know, there'll be some, you know, developments in digital advice. Yep. I don't think they'll go across the board. I mean, okay. you're making some of the most important decisions of your life. And are you going to do that on a, a So robo-advice, exactly, yeah. It's, got li it's going to have limited application. I think it's okay in perhaps the accumulation stage, but yeah. when you're making life-changing decisions for the rest of your retirement years, right, yeah. and you've probably got limited funds, right, in reality, they're very, very important decisions. Yeah. Uh, and uh, generally people go with someone they trust. Trust, correct. Now, they'll probably trust their super fund if they've been with them for a fair time. Yeah. 
But of course, many of them are passive. They don't really have a relationship. And the service of the super funds in those accumulation years is poor, I yes. guess, to say, the, yeah. uh, to, you know, to be fair. So I don't think that's a deep relationship uh, in reality, uh, yeah. but it's somewhat trusted. So we'll see how that pans out. But I think um, I'm, I welcome what the minister has put out in relation to changes uh, in the industry going forward on the advice side. Uh, but, you know, of course, it's going to take a lot for that to play out over the next number of years. Yeah, yeah it would be interesting to see what, yeah, what they come out with and, what ha- and how the industry adopts and mm. in- executes that. Mm. Now, I know one of the things that was very dear to your heart is the philanthropy work that mm. we do. Yeah. And... Um, what does it mean for you personally uh, uh, and, and also from an organization perspective? Why do you think it's important uh, for that for such a uh, activity to exist in an organization? Sure, yeah. Well, look, you know, Australia is an incredibly wealthy country, right? Uh, um, but unfortunately, you know, that wealth is not very equitably distributed, distributed amongst yeah. the population. And uh, I don't think Australians particularly trust their government uh, that much to be providing higher levels of taxation and more evenly distributing wealth. Yeah. So many will like to take that into their own hands, yeah. right, uh, and do that in a philanthropic way. Uh, and so I think, um, you know, Australia is, is, I think it's a generous nation, but the reality is it's quite a long way away yeah. uh, behind, you know, the likes of the US in philanthropic granting. Um, and we've got higher levels of wealth per head of population uh, so we should be doing more. Doing so I think the more we get vehicles designed, um, you know, to make that philanthropic journey, bring it alive while people are still are still yeah. alive rather than at death, uh, because there's excess wealth there now, uh, yes. and it could be distributed, right? And um, so, and I think most people are you know are keen to do that, but they need to be shown how. Yeah. Um, so for our organisation, we happen to be in a really privileged position that people have entrusted us for, Absolutely. you know, 140 years yes. to undertake that philanthropy for them. Um, and so consequently, we've built up a very big business, but more importantly, a very significant capability uh, to, um, you know, to undertake, you know, philanthropic granting that is really effective. We don't want to waste any dollar of what's been put out uh, yep. to the charitable sector. Um, so, um, you know, for us, it's a very privileged position. We take it seriously, uh, put a lot of resource into it uh, yep. to make the most of what we can achieve. Yeah. And also, I think... Uh, one of the things I know that you personally were involved with is the uh, reconciliation action plan that the organization mm. developed. Yeah. Would you be able to talk about why that was important for you? And because and, mm. and, you put in a lot of your personal time to make yes. sure that that's a very well-documented plan that we have. Sure. Yeah, no, good question. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think um, equity trustees started looking after indi- uh, the wealth of Indigenous communities um, about 10 years ago when we acquired the ANZ trustees business. So that was our introduction to it. Naturally, it was very different for us. Um, you know, we're certainly used to looking after vulnerable clients yep. and collective pools of wealth. So, yep. you know, that uh, both those are the situations that arise here. Um, and so I was keen that, uh, you know, I thought that's exactly the place a trustee should be operating, right? Yep. So to look after collective groups and particularly look after, you know, in some cases communities that, um, you know, are vulnerable and need expertise to look after their wealth, to invest it, to 
government to distribute it, you know, as fairly as possible. So uh, I've been very keen that uh, that we build that, uh, and um, so and we've managed to do that over time. Uh, that also comes with, I guess, demonstrating to Indigenous communities that you're very committed to yes. that space yep. and committed to making change. Uh, so the reconciliation plan is documentation, basically, of the actions that we intend to take, yep. um, and and we have taken over the journey. Right? Yep. And um, I guess it evolves over time. It becomes deeper, broader, uh, and I'm delighted with what we've achieved. And there's a lot more to achieve. Um, but you know, if we're going to look after people, then we need to know a lot about them, and we yep. need to be more actively involved in their communities. And um, yeah. I think that's fantastic. I personally feel a great sense of pride working in an organization that is committed to community development and engagement mm. and has a good action plan to sort of support that as well. Mm. Now, talking about legacy, because you know how you said about mm. um, longevity of the organization, mm. what would you like your personal legacy to be? Right. Um, well, look, I think... Um, I have always aspired for equity trustees to be the leading trustee company in Australia. And yep. I think we're well on our way to that, if not already there. Uh, but ultimately, it's about looking after the clients. Yes. So I'd like to be able to see any client that I ever meet, right, that they would have something positive to say about how equity trustees has looked after them, basically. Yep. And I'd be happy with that. Um, I guess the other thing that's really critical, you know, I'm eight years into this journey, right? Uh, and, um, you know, uh, over that time I've worked with such incredible people, it blows my mind uh, about their capability. So it's very important that I leave behind, you know, a well-functioning business with the right leadership in place. Um, you know, one of the great privileges is to have watched people develop over this journey, yeah. right? And uh, so, um, you know, and I can see that there's so much more potential for development. And you know, when I get out of the way, they'll have that room. To, I hope you know, go and to, do it anytime soon. So, but, um, you know. so yeah, so my legacy is just that we have looked after our clients in the right way. That's uh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Now, speaking about your personal journey, as I understand, you were initially a non-executive director. Mm. Then you transitioned into a CEO and MD. Mm. Would you be able to talk about how that transition looked like for you, sure. and what were the sort of the challenges, if there were any, and, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and, and what you thought you, and how you sort of dealt with any of the challenges that you thought you encountered at the time, just so that anyone who's listening or watching us can can learn mm. from that experience. Sure. Uh, well, yeah, look, I was, um, you know, sort of semi-retired, I guess, uh, mainly doing basketball coaching of little children, uh, and I was asked to serve on the board of equity trustees, and um, because... You know, I was asked by someone that I'd uh, respected for decades uh, and I knew that they would have a good team around them and I thought I could add some value, so I joined the board yep. right, um, in uh, 2014. Uh, but the company, I guess, went through a bit of a journey and a few changes um, and I guess we needed to make some changes fairly quickly at one point um, and the board asked whether I would uh, become the managing director. I had to think long and hard about that because I'd been sort of semi-retired and you can't do these jobs, you know, half-bait. You've got to be 100% in or, or not. Yeah. So I went and spoke to my wife about it in the first uh, instance. Uh, but I thought the opportunity was too great, right, to pass it up. And that's probably a lesson in life, you know, that if you see an opportunity, you might think there's enormous challenges. Yeah. And it's going to change your life a lot. 
good and maybe for a little bad. Uh, but if there's an opportunity, take it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I decided that I would. I thought I could add some value. Uh, and um, yeah, initially the challenges were, I guess, making the transition from being on the board as an independent director to being the their managing director and being responsible. So you know, I had to set myself a little apart from the board yeah. at that point. But they gave me enormous uh, freedom and delegations to do what needed to be done. Uh, and I think we got that done in those first couple of years, well and truly, and set us on the path uh, basically that we're on now. And personally, from a life work-life balance perspective, mm. that transition was easy for you? Uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I probably was ready, you know, to do something a little bit more after, yep. you know, three years of not doing a lot uh, in the work front. Uh, and, uh, you know, but there was a few things. I couldn't spend as much time with my grandchildren uh, who had just been born at that time um, and couldn't take my dog for a walk every day, you know, all these sorts of things. Um, and, you know, was going back to being a little distracted, you know, yeah. <laughs> after a long day of work. Um, so, you know, I had to sort of work on those things. Uh, but, you know, after, you know, I've now been in the industry 41 years, you know, there's a lot of experience. Yeah. You know, I can actually manage those things, you know, a lot, a lot easier. Yeah. It's right. fantastic that you mm. came back from retirement to now leading an organisation. That's mm. amazing. Yeah, well, it, was, it wasn't the plan. I, can I know, that, but so. still, I mean, to, to have the mental and physical bandwidth to be able to do that is not yeah. easy i would imagine no, for anyone yeah no probably not and i, I guess that you know i've learned a lot from that i've learned one of the things is that you know retirement is for a long time yes right and um you you need to be you know quite occupied yeah. in retirement and um you know particularly for people that uh, you know like an intellectual challenge that's hard to find those things yeah. uh, in retirement so you know i i feel privileged to have this position and to be able to use my skills yep. every day, uh, and um, you know, and add some value basically to the people and the organisation. That's brilliant, and I'm sure yeah. you're creating more than just adding more than value. Creating a lot of, uh, you're inspiring and and uh, a lot of people as well. I, if I can say so. Sure, well, thank you, thank you. Well, I try I try to. You know, I, I spend a lot of time. Please feel free to have your drink at sure, any time. Sure, I spend yeah, a lot yeah. of time doing basketball coaching, and that's about you know inspiring the kids to do yeah. something. They, they don't need a lot of inspiration. Yeah. Uh, so, and frankly, our people don't need a lot of that either. They just need some clear direction, and then give them the space. Right. Okay. But they also grow. need to be empowered, yeah. right? And they and need to be empowered. empowered. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of my key my key principles, right, is to empower, empower yeah. the executives, right, uh, and get out of their way, right? If, yes, if yeah. you've selected them, they're good, you're committed, you them, yeah. well, then get out of the way and yeah. let them get the job done, basically, yeah. and, and make sure they've got what they need to get the job done. But even when you say that, it takes a lot of humility to be able to get out of the way, right? Mm. Yeah. Because it's, um, I mean, I, I like... From my limited experience working in the industry, a lot of people can't let go, especially leaders at at that those positions. Yeah. But you do it so seamlessly. Is it because there's a trust, or you you you're more like you sit engaged and then you step in when you need to? Like, what's your approach? No, when, no, it's, yeah. it's a it's a good question. Um, I think if you're very secure in your position, yeah. right, and you have a lot of self confidence, right, then you can give up anything to in, anyone, True. basically, right, yeah. and. Uh, you know, and also, you know, I, sh you sh I should never go into the room thinking I'm the smartest person <laughs> in the room because that's not going to be the case, right? Yes. We've got all these experts 
you know, often sort of in sort of narrow areas of expertise, but they're very, very deep experts. So yeah. the idea that I would know anything about, you know, what they're doing, um, you know, it's that's difficult. Um, so, so I think, uh, you know, my philosophy, you know, in working really is to, you know, it's always been sort of really three things, which is basically to work in a team, right? Yeah. Because teams are so much more powerful than individuals, right? Uh, have some fun. And have some success, yep. right? So, but the team aspect is important. Like, I mean, there's 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 a lot of wisdom in crowds. I don't want to diversify that crowd too much, yep. right? There's yep. a limit to that. So, having the yep. right number of people making these decisions, decisions. Yeah. is key. But then you just let them get on with it, basically, and uh, and have sort of some quite yeah you know, a small number of limited types of I won't call them rules, but principles yeah. by which you want to operate. Yeah. When you select someone to work in your team, mm. directly or indirectly, do, do you see, uh, do you look for qualities that you have in yourself as well in them? Like, or is it just more yeah. on your gut instinct? And Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a lot more on instinct, yeah. yeah. But I'm probably, I'm not looking for my the qualities that I okay. have. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm probably looking almost for the opposite. Opposite of that. Yeah, okay. basically. So, um, you know, I'm looking for... Uh, you know, for example, you know, if I'm a little bit spontaneous, I'm looking for people who are a little bit more even-handed in some respects. Yeah. If I'm more of a collaborator, sometimes yeah. I'm looking for someone who is much more decisive yeah. individually, right? Okay. Um, depends on the role, mind yeah. you, too. Um, and so, but no, what, what I want is, you know, a combination of people that have got all different skills this and strengths yep. uh, and not have my strengths here. Um, yeah, then there's no point for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Now, one thing I can't get my head around is how can mm. a die-hard lifetime Carlton supporter also do basketball coaching? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, it's funny. Uh, you know, basketball wasn't very common back in the uh, 70s, early 70s, yeah. right? Uh, but... It was obviously in Europe and the US, and uh, we happened to have a European gentleman at our uh, in, you know, in our school who wanted to coach, and the, he got it started. Uh, then I went to another school, which happened to have an American basketball coach who went on to be, you know, coach the Australian team and okay. to the, the the last bronze medal uh, that we won. Uh, so I was always surrounded by these people who were very much into basketball, and so uh, you know, I thought it was a, it was a great sport to play because yep. you're very involved. There's only five people on the court. You know, it's 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 done quickly. You can play it anywhere, uh, and um, so it's always been a lot of fun. But of course, yeah, you know, my passion in following sport is to follow the Carlton Football Club. Yes. So, uh, you know, I think know. everyone who knows you is well aware of your love for Carlton. I'm sure they would be. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, how is love? You you have grandkids. So mm. when you turned grandfather, did, did that change something in you personally or professionally? Do you know, or is it just something that? organically you mm. like happened uh well look i think now what ha I, I what happened i guess you know when you have grandchildren is you, you go back to having this joy of young children yeah. right um because your own children have grown up into their late 20s or 30s uh you know by that stage and um then you drop back and it reminds you of all that joy and happiness of young children growing up you know their love their fun their development yeah um you know and their just sheer potential right yeah. and so you get to revisit all that again yes right? without all the hard work of it yes. <laughs> so it's pretty special 
Okay. Yeah. So, um, so really, yeah, it's like having having that all over again. Having you know young children gotcha. to you know try and help and um, you know uh, fulfil their potential and and just the fun and joy and love that they bring. Yeah. May I just say you don't look like a grandfather. So if you've got any gym routine, mm. diet plan, or skincare routine, please <laughs> yeah. share so that we can put it on the pod. You know. That uh, would help. Well, look, I've, I've just <laughs> I try to keep myself fit over time. You know, and I guess change that. Those approaches as you've got a little older. So, yeah. you know, I've done a lot more bike riding, a lot more swimming, yeah. you know, less running, uh, okay. those sorts of things. Try and have a reasonable diet, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's as much as you can do. As you can do. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. Now, we're going to play a little bit of a game, mm-hmm. if that's okay. Sure. So, yeah. I what call this it? the Furious 10. So, basically, I'll ask you 10 questions mm-hmm. and you have to um, answer them okay. quickly. Okay. All okay. right. Sure. Uh, okay, are you ready? Yep. If you had to invite three celebrity guests, dead or alive, for a dinner party, whom would you choose? Mm, I think I'd uh, choose uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Basketball, um, obviously. Yeah, basketball. Yeah. Um, ooh, probably uh, maybe uh, Churchill. Yeah. I think would be very That's interesting. That's interesting, yeah. 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 Uh, and um, well, maybe someone like uh, Lee Kuan Yew. That's a very diverse, unusual panel. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Mm. Now, if you were stuck in an Uber and you had only one song on repeat for your entire journey Mm -hmm. and and you could only choose from these two songs, which one would they be? Lady Gaga's Poker Face or Taylor Swift's We Are Never, Ever, Ever Getting Back Together? (laughs) I'm more a Lady Gaga uh, fan, so okay. I think I'd choose, I'd choose Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, if you had to choose between uh, one of these options, which one would you choose? Carlton winning the AFL Premiership in 2024, or you personally winning $2 million in uh, a lotto? <laughs> That's an easy one. <laughs> That's an easy one. I'll just take. I'll take the grand final anytime. You will give up two million for Carlton's grand final. Yes, yes, I would. <laughs> that that's a legit Carlton <laughs> fan. So that's an easy one. <laughs> okay. Um, what keeps you up at night? Uh, the share price of uh, EQT or hosting and planning a dinner party for fifty people all alone without any help. I think the second, plenty of dinner <laughs> for 50, but I'd enjoy it, but it, it would keep me awake thinking about the detail. Yep. All right. Um, what do you value more, income or profit? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I think uh, income. Yeah. Yep. I think income, you know, it's more reliable. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what's your favorite holiday destination? Oh, I love Bali. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like Port Douglas as well, and the Gold Coast. Yeah, okay. so anywhere where it's a bit, a bit warm, more yeah. warm and beach. Yeah. All right. And what advice would you give to your twenty-year-old self if you had to? Wow, to my twenty-year-old self. Yeah. Uh, probably um, take more risks early on. Yeah. Yeah, I was very conservative uh, early on. Yeah. And um, so um, yeah, I think uh, take more risks and grab opportunities when they're there. Okay. Yep. The next one, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. If you could choose to have only one drink for the rest of your life, would you choose beer or wine? I choose beer. Oh, really? Yes. I was going to say, say wine. Okay, see? All right. That's interesting. Well, either would be okay, but yeah. I think no. Beer. <laughs> you need a beer at the end of the day sometimes. Awesome. And if you were not a CEO, 
uh, at EQT, what job would you be doing right now? Uh, I well, I'd probably be going back to basketball coaching if they would have me. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's what I'd be doing. All right. Now your last question. Hmm? This is probably the most toughest question. Okay. You're in a chartered flight with all your team, mm-hmm. and the flight is about to crash, and you had only one parachute. Whom would you give it in your team? <laughs> <laughs> you can only say one person from your team. Well, I have to give it to someone, do I? No, but you, I mean, you have well, to wear yourself. Myself. You have two, so no, you have I've, yours. I've got one And myself. you've got another one, so you have, to, you have to only pick one. I'm not going to do. Well, look, I'm not going to name anyone, so <laughs> I think what I'd do is I'd go for the youngest. Okay. The all right. youngest person. That's good. That was that was fun. Yeah. So thank <laughs> you good. for doing thank that. You, um, <laughs> no, that that was fun. Thank you for being good. a sport and taking part of it. Now I wanted to um, ask you to give some advice if to anyone who wants to join the industry, a eh? mm-hmm. and and secondly also if someone who wants to inspire from your journey to become a CEO. Like, what sure. advice would you give to anybody okay. who wants to? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, joining the industry, I mean, firstly, if you're joining financial services, it's a very good industry, right? It has been for decades. uh, And I think, you know, it will remain that way uh, in Australia um, because, you know, financially, there's a lot of financial resources in Australia. More so, it's disproportionate to the rest of the world in reality. So um, so it is a good industry. It's diverse. uh, And there's plenty of opportunities, you know, for different types of careers, be they financial or operational or legal yep. you know marketing whatever whatever it is that is your bent uh, so my advice if you you know want to continue developing really is to, to keep learning yeah keep being educated um, you know to uh, to try different things particularly early on in your career and I, I don't probably have to encourage younger people to do that yes. they tend to start and chop chop and change jobs every 18 months which is something we would never have done back in uh, you know decades ago but I think that's a good thing to get a really breadth of experience and then somewhere along the line I think you've you know you're not forced to make a decision but it's probably useful to say well am I going to be a you know really deep specialist in some area right or am I going to um, you know be a generalist right okay and that might more likely lead to you know a, a senior leadership role but I think what you've got to do you've got to do what you enjoy because what you enjoy is what you'll be best at right okay that's what you've got to do right and so you can't go and do a job and you think oh I'm doing this because I want to get somewhere, but I don't enjoy it. Yeah. You're not going to succeed. You've yeah. just got to find something that you really love doing and do more of it, basically. Yeah. yeah that's that's the message, really. That's very wise, actually. Mm. And what is the, uh, what's the one thing you're looking most forward to in 2024? Uh, well, for our company, um, you know, I and want, for you personally as uh, well. For me yeah. personally, yeah. yeah. For the company, I just want to see is, you know, complete the integration of the uh, AET acquisition that we made uh, a year ago. Uh, that's important. Continue, you know, uh, I guess looking after our clients and continuing to grow the business. I think yep. you know growth is important. A lot of things are a lot easier when you're growing. Uh, yep. When you're not, <laughs> there's a lot of harder things to do. 
so looking forward to the business uh, doing that. I'm obviously looking forward to the football season to yes. see what Carlton will do. <laughs> um, I've got a new grandson who's uh, six months old. Oh, so congratulations. I'm looking forward to his, thank you, his next 12 months and how he uh, develops because, you know, that's a really, <laughs> you know, incredibly developing time yep. in, that, in this next sort of 12-month window. And I've booked a holiday with uh, my grandchildren, you know, for mid-year. So I'll be looking awesome. forward to that. I have got a bike ride planned in April for a charity called Feel the Magic. Um, so, you know, I'll have to get myself prepared for that. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that challenge and uh, seeing, you know, what funds I can raise uh, for them. Yeah, Awesome. That's yeah. exciting. Oh, sorry. Stuff, and yeah. sorry, the biggest thing probably is my youngest, my baby son, yeah. who's 30, uh, is getting married oh, on the 29th great. of June. So I'm super excited about Congratulations. Uh, having a new daughter-in-law and uh you know celebrating that weddings and families always exciting oh incredible it's, i can't yeah, wait it's a big it's be good mm. uh so we're almost at the end of the podcast now mm -hmm. before we end the podcast we ask all our guests two questions mm -hmm. first one what is the one thing you love about living in melbourne oh well, i think you know melbourne's a very cultural city so you know from a sports perspective and from a uh, you know artistic perspective so i like going to the gallery to you know the uh, theater and i love going to the sport uh, mainly to the football uh, yeah. but all sorts of sport so um it's a pretty relaxed city you know uh, i think uh, and um you know i live down the beach way so i've got the access to the beach and and um don't like the weather particularly <laughs> yes. uh but you know put up with it for 60 years so um yeah the, the, the body gets the, used to it it's a yeah. pretty nice city to live in yeah. And lastly, Mick, what's your anthem song? My anthem song? Uh, I think I'd have to go with something like uh, Flame Tree uh, from Cold Chisel. Okay. Um, you know, probably written at a time where that <laughs> band was almost falling apart, right? But it's probably one of their best songs, uh, the music, and it's quite, you know, loving, nostalgic. Yep. Um, you know, apart from, you know, being a great, great song. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time. You've been very generous, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast and and talking to us. It's it's been fantastic. And in my humble opinion, congratulations on everything that you've achieved. You've inspired a lot of people. I'm sure you leave a lasting legacy. Uh, so thank you for doing what you're doing uh, for the organization, for the people who work in the organization, and all the great community work that you enable, support, and nurture. So thank you so much for all of that. I appreciate the opportunity a lot. It was a lot of fun because thank you. Thanks, Vic. Thank you for listening. And please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and also follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Melbourne.